What's up, John Catalina? Hey there, Rafe. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I know, I know. On the airwaves. Thanks for doing this, man. Oh, what a, what a pleasure. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, I, me too. Me too. I'm with you. So, I, you know, I thought we'd start with just like kind of your journey and your path into, you know, the things that you do now and working with people and your coaching and kind of just the expanse of like how you came to understand some of the things that you do work with people with and, and the teachings and the coaching and all that. Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting because in the weeks we've been months, we've been talking about doing this, all this has flashed before my eyes and, um, and it's really, you know, it's led me to a place in my own work, in my working with people. There's usually a central theme of kind of what's going on in the world. I've also often wondered about this. You could have some, one message is good for a lot of people. And one of the things that I'm, seems to be up right now is kind of trying to let people know that there's, you know, people are like, you know, victimized in life and they play off their victimizations and people are really um, looking for stuff outside themselves and shiny objects and get rid of bad stuff and find good things and bring them to them. And um, um, it I'm referencing back to this. It's kind of like people, you know, by the time they're eight years old, they picked up a certain amount of stable data about life. I know I had, you know, I'm sure when I was eight years old, I knew that you had a house, a, a family, you know, two in a box kind of situation, and you had a couple of hobbies. And then um, that kind of magnified probably until I was 18. I was clear that was a, you know, you, you married the woman you were sexing with. How do you know you were married or because we're sexy? You didn't want to let go of that. Right. And then there's this whole story. About <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, you must be with the one you're sexing because you wouldn't give that up for anything. And 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 the world's raising the bar. Well, you know, live it together, then get married. And I don't know. I was really oblivious to everything at that age. May not be awake to much more, but a little bit more. And um, I realized that, you know, when you start doing that, you start. And you're, and you're a victim in life, kind of. People are victims. And they react to that which they're victimized by. That got them to me. They did this. That happened. And then you make your responses to life out of those reactions. And I can see how people get really twisted up, not knowing, like, like God, what direction to go in? What do I do here? What's happening? And yeah. then I, 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 as opposed to, like, you run into this, I've run into this, which is, Somebody came along and said, hey, you could design your life um, and not trying to get you to get better from it, but actually take you down a path where you, you really are just watching life go on and feeling everything that goes on. And, you you know, 10 years ago, I was talking about, well, I think I should move outside the city. I think that's a smart move. Or, you know, I should probably remember when I was 40, like 20 years ago, I was 49, 50. I thought I better get money figured out. I, I've never paid attention to that in life. You know, I'm going to get old one day here and I'm going to need to have some of that worked out. 
So you look around and you find out somebody that can help you get that worked out. And then you start going there and the, the kind of the path and the work that I, and I know you're doing this too, is to help people set themselves up to go in a direction. And when stuff comes up that gets in the way of it, reducing it down to feeling and really having people just feel their way through these barriers and the issues. So I think that there's a way for people to actually to get your life going. And I don't mean do somebody seminar about money or relationships and all those. Those are all like, let's do that right now. There's a way to look at this whole thing where you really can get a structure set up and then sit back and watch it and feel what's going on. But anyways, that's like a subject for another day. But the, your question, to answer your question, I think I just had a normal, you know, leave it to beaver kind of upbringing. Back in the 50s and 60s, it was easy to do that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. You, you could walk around your neighborhood with guns going to the woods and nobody said anything, you know? It's like, <laughs> right. you know, and you're, you left the house in the morning and your mom said, well, I'll be back in time for dinner. And you got on your bicycle and rode 10, 15 miles into town on highways, right? You just fucking rode around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, 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 did, where, where were you born? Delaware. I was in, in Newark, Delaware is where I grew up. Small eastern town. Yeah. Um, you know, back to you know, working class, middle class, high, you know, all the stuff was there. I don't think it's like that now. I think it's mostly poor people now. But um, I, I grew up there and... Um, you know, that led me to, I think I made it to South Carolina for six months when I was seven, 18, which led, I didn't want to go to school. I did a horrible, I really didn't like to do any studying and working and things. I thought that was terrible. Yeah, me too. I, I'd rather read a comic book or a science fiction book than any of that stuff at school. So I got by, right? C's and just made it through. So they didn't put me back in school. And I got out and I wasn't going to go to college. I didn't see any point in that. And so I went into the service because back in 68, that's what you did. You went into the service if you weren't going to. Right. Um, went to yeah. the military. And that it was, looked like the, the one to get. Did you? No, the, I thought about it. I, you know, it, when I got out of high school, I didn't know anything. I All my friends were going to college and it was like, just seemed like the thing to, you know, continue the, the uh, it party uh, pretty much that was happening in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, 10 years before that, what do we have? 10 years in difference? Uh, 53. Yeah, 17 years. 17 years before that, when you got to high school, it, stuff was stale. I mean, there was in the mid 60s, it was nice, but there wasn't much. The Vietnam was starting, things were starting to get cooking in the human potential movement. But, um, it looked like a safe bet for me and what I could do is I go in the Coast Guard because you didn't necessarily have to go to Vietnam and maybe you can get a job on some, you know, a boat or a buoy tender. I wound up getting into aviation and got to see some of the world and then uh, got out and went to school. So I made it to Florida for a little bit, then North Carolina for four or five years and then back down to Miami. Went to, when I got out, I went to college down there. Not because I thought that was a great idea, but that was in my stable data. That's what you did, right? You went yeah. to school or did something. I, And then when I got out of there, I got a job on some commercial real estate. Made some money for that year, but I hated it. It was like headaches by five o'clock. It was like, 
Oh, yeah. We had a deal that was on the table to make like a million bucks for all four of us in a year's time. And I, I at some point, when I, I can't do this. I just can't do it. So I quit. And I had a little stash in the bank. That was back when you could make your house payments and car payments and live for better part of a year on four or five grand. You know, it was like amazing. Stuff was really inexpensive. New Volkswagen, $1,700. Um, you found you just couldn't, you couldn't be with that work, right? It wasn't, is it safe to it say? It felt like no life. I felt like no I was life. not, there was no life. And I, and I remember I'm, like, well, if I do this for a year, I get $1.3 million. And I, well, I couldn't conceive of that. It's like, well, I had enough already, you know, what, mm. why would I want to expose myself to this? And, um, you know, it was an interesting story that uh, you are playing out your paths. I, I remember I worked with some guys that were doing some wood la uh, lathing, lath. They put wood lath up in dentist's office to make a, a, you know, a makeover, right? You could do it in a day and, you know, you put this uh, pecky cypress wood up and, but these guys on the way to work would stop and buy a bag of pot and uh, a case, a couple, a case of beer or something throw it in a cooler. And then I, I got this idea, like people were having fun and partying all day doing this work. And I never, I never considered that you could actually enjoy your life. That was a new thing for me mm -hmm. that and pot was new. And like, you know, like the whole thing was like, wow, you can just have a nice time with life. Hell. <laughs> Who would have thought that? I know. I thought you could do that. You're supposed to be <laughs> working pain hard, and suffering, and, pain. Yeah, and so. nobody smiled or laughed at work at the real estate places. And anyway, so I I remember built. We were in the shop one day, and I built a pipe that you could put. Uh, back then, if you smoked pot, it was just all leaves. There was no buds in it. it was leaf, and um, I built a, a a teak pot, a teak teak pipe with a big pot and a big big hole. You put a whole water, and I'm on a. And then shortly thereafter, I get I. I I'm just hanging, doing nothing. And um, I see an ad for Dick Bertram's yacht sales and I meet him. I go work for them and I meet him and this pipe falls out of my pocket and his eyes light up and he's a, he's a head. He's a smoker, man. He's got a 65 back then. He was a hoker. Um, so I gave him the pipe. Anyway, he turns me on to the S training and I fly to, I drive what, what up to Washington. What year was that? What year was that? 74. 74. I go with my brother. And for hold on, for those who don't know, that's Earhart seminar training, uh, are called yeah, tests, so, and that's and then it, turned into and landmark it, education. So, yeah, um, went into Werner Earhart and Associates after that, and then landmark right. education. That's right. You're right. You're, you're yeah, right. yeah. So landmark is something we we've both done. And est was either est or Latin for it is, or they made up a lot of stories about it. Yeah. So Werner Earhart, um, who was quite the cultural phenomenon back in the seventies, right? Yeah, one out of by the time he was done, one out of ten people in a major metropolitan area had done the S training. You imagine if you had a best-selling book and one out of ten people had re read it. That's amazing, right? That's yeah. like, yeah. So yeah, it was a whole. I mean, he would speak know, to thousands of people in auditoriums, right? Oh, oh, they'd Cal Palace and the yeah, the the Felt Forum in in New York City and huge things huge things like that it was a, but back then there was transformation was a what does that mean you're responsible people would throw when they used to say you're responsible people would throw chairs at him and stuff they hated it <laughs> somebody tell them they were responsible now it's a buzzword right yeah i'm responsible <laughs> it was like a it was a phenomena back then it was a phenomena that was happening
Yeah, you were early in on that whole transformational movement that that came out of um, Hell, Alexander Everett's work and uh, Alexander Everett and uh, yeah, that was mind, also um, Mind Dynamics, I believe. He mind it. Dynamics and mm-hmm. uh, that was Alexander Everett, and then there was that guy mm-hmm. that did Jose Silva Mind Control. Silva Mind Control, and there was one other one in there. Life too, Spring was one that came out of that, and uh, yeah, yeah, was yeah. Psy World was that the other one? No, Cyworld and Context, they all came Context. out. All those guys, mm-hmm. Randy Ravel, John, they all worked for um, um, Alexander Everett. Right. And I, I, talked, I, I got to know him finally. And he said that he came in one day and he realized they were stealing his business. And uh, he was a really wise guy. And he thought, well, if they're taking it, it must not be mine anymore. So he went in and said, okay, you can have that area. You can have to take whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. Close the place down. I'm good. So they, that's how that thing got kicked off. He did not resist it one bit. It was like, if they're taking it, how could it have been mine? That's that's a, quite a perspective, quite an awake perspective. I know, and then he, then he went off and did that thing, um, you know, the, uh, the more expanded spiritual thing. He had 747s full of Japanese people flying over to Oregon to go to the seminars. And yeah. anyway, that's a little sidebar story there. But that, the, Back then, you go do, somebody says here this weekend thing, you go in to do it, and it was, wasn't was a fun weekend. A lot of your preferences were out the window. It was like you couldn't go to the bathroom when you wanted. You had to, you know, it's like some guys on the stage shouting and screaming and calling you a shit liar or a shithead or whatever. Uh, <laughs> it was weird. It was I like can only really, imagine. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, then the exercises that they did, the, the, you know, they put them up in the front of the room and every, anyways. It was like a, a, a madhouse in there. And I kind of like, wow, I've never seen anything like this. And Monday, it's like, well, that's life. That's really weird. That's amazing what I'm seeing going on. And then you go back the next week, you go Wednesday night, and you go back the weekend and you do another weekend. And when you walk out that Monday, the world looks so different. And I yeah. thought, this is remarkable. And my goal was for the two weekends was to have life be like Saturday mornings. Mm. When you were a kid, Saturday morning, you got up, ran out yeah. of the house, did this stuff. Yeah. So that was just spectacular. So I was like, this is the best thing I've ever done. This is <clears throat> So I went back to Dick Bertram. And when I was at the S training, I met Mike Smith that had a yacht brokerage office. And he was going to open the S office out of his yacht brokerage office. So I switched over there. Went right over. Yeah. Um, it, it, were you exposed to coaching back then as a model? Were they using coaching? No, there was no model? coaching no. models back then. The earliest part of that was the guy that did, <clears throat> Thomas Leonard, that did um, Coach University back right. in the late 80s. That was the first, he was the first guy to be talking about it. And then Dave Ellison, early 90s, uh, was talking about it. Yeah, and that's when you first started looking at coaching, right? When you went to go see Dave Ellis. I talked to him on the phone and he wanted some of the man woman stuff I'd learned at, at Moore university. And, um, and I, I was looking for something to do. So, cause I'd been with Christine all those years and we led man woman courses and relationship, blah, blah, blah. And we'd been on that circuit and done very well with it, but we were, how long did you do to, that? How long were you leading those courses? The man woman course and the basic sensuality course you guys put together. Well, I started those in 91 and, you know, probably stopped to those in 05 or 06, but with Christine, it stopped in 90, actually 98, it stopped when we quit doing it. 99 quit. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And you were doing U.S. and Canada at the time. United States, Canada, got as far out as Guam, did uh, an Amsterdam one, got to got to England. Yeah. But th- those were minor things. Most of the bread and butter was just around, it turned out being Austin and Vancouver were the towns that I mostly went to. Yeah. There's a lot of demand for people. That's where, a, that's where we met, right? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, was it Pat Siebert's house? I believe so. His place? Yeah, yeah. back in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. 93, I think. 93, 94. Those are, I still think those courses were brilliant, man. I think they were incredible. And incredible it, and experiences. That, they were really powerful. That man woman stuff was like, I still see people uh, wallowing around in their man woman stuff. They don't have a central theme to hold anything. Yeah. And there's no recognition that women are call, they're the center of every all desire that that, that, that needs to be paid attention to. Right. And, um, you know, as a guy, if you can find a woman that let you start supporting her and taking care of her and make her life good, she'll make you a hero. But that's a whole other subject too. But I thought that those and the that sensuality course, I think that was one of the hottest courses I ever was involved in. Yeah. For something so simple, I've never had such profound results. No, I agree. And I, I've since you know looked at turned over a lot of rocks in, in that world and read a lot and talked to a lot of people. And I still think the concepts there are the most solid of anything I've ever looked that, at. That was yeah. Victor Bronco. The guy was a, a, right, a thug right. genius, right? He was like a half black, half Jewish um, thug. I mean, the guy used to run the, when he was a kid, 13 years old, he was running, um, he was the bouncer at a, at a whorehouse in, Austin, in Oakland, California. <laughs> <laughs> I then, mean, yeah. So what we're talking about is this Lafayette Morehouse, which um, is in, is it Oakland? It's in the hills. Inland outside. from Oakland. It's here, Inland. Near okay. Walnut Creek. Um, okay. Still there yeah, today. Yeah. And still, they're still doing courses out there. And they're that's still doing some stuff. Probably. Like e- yeah. Like a, I think a lot of people thought that was like, just like some sort of hippie sex commune, but it was a lot more than that. Wasn't it? It was. Well, it was, it was really courses and they had a university really, and. Yeah. Yeah. We're teaching people how to live in harmony and, um, yeah, yeah, real, real stuff. The, the love was so thick there you could cut it with a knife. It was remarkable. Yeah. You know, the relating and the, you know, he started off, interesting, the guy started off having, uh, he has a flash, right? He's 21. He's already made a million bucks. He's 21 years old. And he was flying these junkets, these gambling junkets up to Reno. And a couple of the planes crashed. And <laughs> holy shit. Anyways, he gets this, he, he marries Sue and they get to his house in Pleasant, Pleasant Hill. Pleasant Hill, yeah. And um, acid was out. He gets involved in these experiments in the late 50s out in um, Bolinas, way out at the very tip. The most, like going to another planet, like if you drove into the place right now. At the end of the road, out by um, the, the pointy part, just north of California, all the way out to the tip of the ocean out there. There's this little town that even to this day, it's like otherworldly. And they were doing these, uh, the CIA and stuff was doing these LSD experiments. You know, Rock Hudson, there was all these senators and movie stars and all these people and Vic got involved in it. And they're out there dropping acid. And these guys want to write a report of what happened to you. And then you could take another dose so many hours later. And and they do that. They're like, wow this is incredible. What the hell is this? So they go back and do some more. And then Vic and Susie go out and find out that if you smoke a joint, it even gets better. 
And if you if you fuck each other, that even gets better. So they're 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 thinking this is a party drug. This is I don't know what these people are talking about. This is a, <laughs> they start doing it back at their place. <clears throat> I'm sorry. It's all right. Who's the guy that did all that kind of was the father of MDMA? Shulgin. Shulgin, right? Uh, I don't know. Alexander Shulgin. Okay. So if you look, look that up, there's a documentary about this guy. His place happened to be right next to the property they bought. Okay. So this guy was doing all these designer. <laughs> he did everything, right? So these, anyways, they're like, they're, I mean, Susie would be going out in the morning and she would take him a glass of tea and say, well, have a great day. And little known to him, she dropped some acid in there. And then pretty soon people, the, the, here's the biggest part that Dick did that like nobody knows. He, he realized he was really good at figuring problems out, right? He's just like, well, I, I can fix any problem at all. There's people that would give him, give him somebody that was in a nut house that was getting ready to put into a really severe nut house. And they said, you got to give you, you know, give you a, give you a couple thousand dollars to go talk to my son and get him out of there. He would go get the guy and say, listen, it's okay to be crazy, but you have to act like you're not crazy around here, around these people. Right. And if you don't do that tomorrow, they're going to put you in this really bad place and it's going to be too late. <laughs> so, and the kid would act straight and they would let him out. And so anyways, he was solving all these problems and he says, okay, well, I'll figure this out. I'm sure he was tripping when they did this. I, they never, that's not attributed to part of it, but. Um, back in the 60s and 70s, if you were in that world, people did a lot of acid, like Timothy Leary and those guys, every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, he takes a problem, a relatively small problem, sits down, lays down the floor, figures the whole problem out. But he, what he watched was his process of how he did it. And he thought, God, that was just too simple. Takes another one, uses the same process on it, and gets through it. Now, the, the, this is like almost people just laugh saying, oh, that can't, nothing's that simple. But the thing that, that he said was the way to fix anything in the world is to understand you're the center of the universe. You're responsible for the universe, not your universe, the universe. Hmm. You know, it's really, it's a whole different statement, your universe and the universe. Mm -hmm. And um, in a way, like your, Rafe, your universe has me as a central, an actor over there. Right. My universe has you, but it's not like yours and mine. I'm responsible for the universe. And so he said, if you can sit there and say, I'm responsible for all of this right now. And then right after that, you go, I'm responsible for all of this. And people do this for a little bit until something ugly comes along. And they say, well, I don't want to be responsible. Yeah, that. it's like, well, it's convenient. I'll be responsible. But you could figure anything out if you could be responsible for everything. And I, I tell you, that's so accurate. So accurate. Mm -hmm. God, that's so true, isn't it? I agree. Was he kind of like a mentor to you in some ways? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Very much. He, Brian Shekeloff was there, taught me so many things. And um, you know, like sit down and give you some words. They act, they live this stuff out. You know, I mean, I was going out one night to a, um, I was going to lead a mark. I was going to leave a mark group. I was going to lead this thing for the group there. And it's how they made their money. And people came in and courses and mark groups and, and I'm going out and Brian could see, I didn't look too happy. And he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to go over to this person's house and lead this group. And I, he said, well, why are you going to do it? Well, it was on the schedule. And he was like, well, well, forget it. Don't go do that. You know, if you don't want to go do it, why would you do something you don't like to do? 
And that's like novel to me, right? Because <laughs> a radical idea. Well, if you don't want to a do it, a radical idea. So yeah. I go, so I don't go and I pay attention to myself and I'm happy that night. I'm really just happy. And some other, some other stuff happens. It was good. Yeah. Well, um, so you really learn these things by examples when you have somebody around a mentor that actually throws you into it, you know, like, you know, really good coaching involves not giving people answers, but helping them go down to the road where they stand in not knowing and mm -hmm. leaving them there. Yep. You know, that's like, that's like the real, you know, listen fully and affirm is really great coaching in the world. It's not sure not giving people answers because that just doesn't last. Well, when you so, started coaching, nobody was doing it. It wasn't even, you know, and it wasn't even an industry. Really, It wasn't even a thing. Yeah. It wasn't even the thing like it is now. 95 96 and that was like yeah you know these people this guy um i watched this guy rich lipton I, I read some of his stuff and i thought about calling the guy and i don't know and it looks like he's got some successful people but i've heard them and they don't sound too you know he's not doing the listen fully and affirm he's doing this thing i don't quite can't quite tell what it is but he said oh yeah a thousand days you want to start a business have a thousand that's three years worth of money in the bank um it's going to take you that long to get stuff going. And in 96, I figured that because I had the Werner training and the Vic behind me, mm -hmm. I figured the best way to do and it. How long just, were you, how long were you with the, the Warner and the S train? Well, I did all that seminars and the local stuff in Miami up to 80 to 80. And then mm -hmm. I lived on the boat in Sausalito till 88. And you were part of like Warner's kind of inner, inner crew. I was right? part of the extended family. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. A, you were you you worked closely with them. I was the center of all that stuff. Yes. Yeah. I, I could walk in the room anytime and know whatever was going on. I could walk in. Yeah, there weren't okay. many people at that level. Yeah, like like none in that eight years I was there. That was like it. I was one of the only people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What a what a treat those places were to work with. Talk about ripping you apart and and having people that appreciated your focus and good work. Yeah, Vic, Vic Werner, fucking just incredible people. I got invited to do the landmark forum, and it was uh, late '91 by a friend, and you know, was life changing. I mean, like, I couldn't believe it was like, oh wow, this is like everything I was thinking I needed, but I didn't know it, and finally found something that I could sink my teeth into that was I thought was worth learning. You know, talking about how to be and be responsible and have integrity and keep your word and you know, it was yeah. like a, a program for how to be a, a little, an adult, more of an adult in the world, you know, and, and how to be self-expressed and communicate and all those things. He has some, you can still go on YouTube and listen to his talks and stuff. And that all those things are great. Guy, I, I, guy. I mean, both of us have dedicated our lives to learning. That's like, yeah. I was talking with somebody this morning. It was, oh, they want to go to the university and do something. And I said, well, you know, I, I read or look at something I looked how they made a gear set that was 20 feet in diameter. How would you make a set of gears 20 feet in diameter for some big thing on a ship or something like that? But the fact wasn't I'll ever use that or for anything, but I like to learn to learn, yeah. you know, the process. And I do, I am good for two, three, four, five hours of learning a day. I'm always looking, I got something going on right. that I'm watching and learning about all the time. I, I think I that's one of the hallmarks of kind of like an awake, uh, point of view is that you're always looking to expand and learn and grow personally 
and you're asking questions about things. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. You know, I look at some of the current state of things in the world now, and you know, you like, like we got this, like, you know, the Rona thing going around. It's like, it's tough business, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a, whether it is or it isn't, who knows? I'm not, I don't even go there, but no. you take little subjects out of it. I noticed right away in the beginning, they were use hand sanitizer as well. When you read about it, and they call 70% alcohol the threshold to kill. Well, that's the threshold to kill bacteria. But virus takes 98, 99% alcohol. Uh, I, I found that, so when you really study the thing, I find that um, um, that using um, H402, um, what's the stuff that you, you use for hydrogen peroxide? Hydrogen peroxide, yeah. Hydrogen peroxide kills viruses immediately, right? So, but they still go on about washing your hands with these hand cleaners and stuff. I think, you know, but see, it's, it's very unexamined. And I say this to people and they look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm with you. I'm what with do you, you mean? So I start looking at this thing also that well, you can't just have a virus that's transmitted by like the germ factory, like you sneeze and somebody gets it. So they're called virones is what it is. When they're not in a host or in water or in a protein, they wrap themselves up like in this little protein. And um they're, they're in the jet stream. This virus is in the jet streams. Like I was studying this the other day. Like um, British Columbia did a study. Only a couple of people you've seen them done this. And they felt there was like so many million coming down per um, um, square meter. And it was like, if you and I stood there for a day, we'd have like, you know, 10,000 different bits of viruses on us, including the Corona stuff. You know, they found they put these tubs of water at the top of these tall mountains, and they, you know, and they found it like up in the up in the tw above twenty two thousand feet, up the, the death zone, whatever it is. Um, they find all this shit in the air in these buckets of water they put out, which is like, well, I don't know, that's, you know, well, something something's wrong with the picture here. You know, I look at it enough to go, I can see why people don't want to look at any of this. It don't, nothing, things don't make sense. So no, there's a lot of questions I've looked, I've done yeah. research so, into testing and a lot of things. And, you know, the more you look, the more I look at stuff like that, the more questions I end up with. Not yeah. Yeah. And I finally came up with it. It's like this. I do a little meditation and come out of it and ask a question. Is it yes or no? Things are yes or no. Should I get this thing? It's a yes or no. Yeah. It's not, if I use my mind to do it, there's no end. I can't quit figuring it out, but I like learning. I think that learning is like, just paramount. I mean, it makes you kind of useless in the world. I started a physical with a doctor where I started a series of stuff and I could see right away. He knows about what of the stuff he knows about the younger guy, 35, 40 years old, enthusiastic. I like him, but I've been studying shit for a long time. And just because he wears that badge, he's a doctor that no, the stuff I learned is accurate also. Yeah. So how do we fit these together? And he's really not a nature path, so I don't know how we're going to get along. But, you know, that food, like, well, you know, I could see he just rolled his eyes when I talked about any kind of plant-based food, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, well, nobody <laughs> ever taught you about it. I don't know. How many <laughs> how many years did you spend eating plant-based food? Right, right. You know, exactly. How'd you feel? How'd that work out? But the thing was, if you study, you start to become more of a... Uh, not loner, 
but you are alone because there's very mm. few people to talk to about subjects like like mm. you and I are talking about right now. You, you can't even talk to your family or people about it unless they're right. doing this work. Yep, that's right. It's not lonely, but it sure is. A, uh, you sure are alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? See, yeah. you and I laugh about that because like, it's like <laughs> you go through this pace like, what the fuck did I learn this stuff for? What was I thinking? This is horrible. <laughs> you know, and you and people that are awake will laugh about this stuff. Right. That's why when you go to people, and I first did like do an experiment, go into your community and ask people, are you awake? And the people that are like awake, like go, yeah, yeah. yeah. But everyone else, the ones that go, yeah, what do you mean? I woke up this morning. What do you mean? Right. Well, so, now there's like woke culture too. It's not something woke culture. These are yeah. words. Yeah. The, the woke culture I run into is like, they don't look too awake to me. Because <laughs> if you're awake, you're not going to be dealing with any of that shit those people are dealing with. You know, that's that's terrible to say, but it's true. Well, there's, you know, you like we were talking about at the beginning, like your education and your parents and everything, your government and television and the media. And, you know, there's a lot of programming uh, happening. And you know, you learn a lot of things, but there's also a lot of stuff that, that gets put in um, that I think as, as you decide to go down this path called waking up, you have to unlearn a lot. You have to, I had to throw out everything. You had to throw out everything, yeah. And see what you wanted back. It wasn't like, I remember if you asked me when I was really getting into this thing in 08, 09, when I was really diving deeper into, Jed McKenna called it this autilysis, you know, this self-examination, yeah. going through your all your old high school yearbooks and like going, holy shit, I thought that, you know, and yeah. um, painful, painful work. Anyways, I remember going through that and um, if you'd ask me a question about, about relationships or life or all that stuff, I'd reach into my backpack and pull out my roadmap for that and give you the answer. Well, here's how that should go. And as I got further into this really examining life and going further into my heart, there was no backpack anymore. And I was freaked out for, for a couple of years. You'd ask, hey, you want to get together this week and next Friday? Uh, I don't know. You know, how many plane tickets did I buy and never go on the trip? Yeah. You know, how many times did I arrange to go see some chick? And uh, when the time came, it was... I, I couldn't do it because we set it up two weeks before, but it's nothing there now, you know? Mm -hmm. But to tell the truth about the moment right now, somebody was asking today, a young guy was trying to set up something about um, this young guy in Vancouver, and he was really a smart guy, really on a path of really opening his eyes up, and but still, you know, a 30-year-old guy, like trying to find out the world, and he's doing all well. I should, you know, I, I feel pulled to this... Uh, nature and animals and stuff so there's these courses you can do for a year to learn about the, the the woods or something you know and i thought well that was great and he said well what how come you're not doing any of that stuff i said well you know i'm trying to like just have it feel good this minute mm -hmm. i don't need to go do that because i it wouldn't feel good this you know it's fun to entertain it but it's not something i want to do and as you go down this path one of the things that i know i work with people a lot is about getting your the units of your life instead of, oh, I have a good year next year oh, or next month or how about this week or this weekend? How about the next couple minutes? Mm -hmm. 
you know, what if you started living like what feels good right this minute? Because when most people look there, nothing looks good. Ooh, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, There's a lot of fear in the, in the zeitgeist, man. And yeah. And there's a lot of processing. And I see with my work with people too, that it seems like everybody's, especially this year with, with the, the, the pandemic, that people are, it brought up a lot of this mortality, like, oh, there's this evil thing in the world that can kill me. Yeah, you're going to be dead. And, and <laughs> you know, and, and really trying to like process out like, well, I don't want to get sick. Well, you're probably going to, you know, it's like, well, can you stop the flu? Can you stop the cold? Yeah, I don't want to I mean, die. I, I said from the beginning, well, I think everybody's going to get this. I don't know wow, what this looks like. Uh, well, you look at Zach, Zach Bush, you know. This is what's happening right now. Yeah, we, we apparently yeah. need this in our systems, and we are built of viruses and bacteria, anyways. Right. How much of our biome is bacteria and virus? Oh, a big percentage, right? Right. From my understanding, yes. Yeah, yeah, mine is like fifty percent. Like a lot of that, we're built of all that stuff, and this is just another thing that came along. Anyways, that's really far so. If it, there, if I, it brings up more fear, see that to me, I see that as well. Here's the catalyst and the opportunity and the invitation, really, from whatever you want to call it, matrix, spirit, anything, whatever words you like, the universe, creation, doesn't matter, to kind of pick up, if the phone's ringing, you, you're going to have to reach for it. You know, it's, yeah. you're going to have to have some intent here. And if you don't have that intent, I don't know where you're going. You're, I don't think you're going anywhere. You, you really have to be like, well, okay, I'm in the sewer here. Well, do I want to climb out of the sewer? Well, that's a lot of work. Or do I just want to stay in the sewer and change the view? You know, <laughs> it's like, well, I want a better seat in the, in, you know, in this, yeah. in the ship. In a septic here. tank. I want a better yeah, I want seat, a better seat you know, the Titanic <laughs> sinking, but I'm rearranging deck chairs. Well, you know, you see, wake up some, you're going to have to have some intent, right? I mean, how do you see that? Well, it's an interesting, interesting subject. Uh, you know, I, I, my little story that goes along to answering that is uh, kind of around Robin Hood's barn. But I, I started getting all these notes the 1st of January about people that write these letters about their last year. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been doing it forever, right? I get this thing from this guy and that guy and these family, and they write this one-page thing about, what. well, God, last year was this and it was that. And Pretty much every, well, no, not pretty much. Everybody's victimized by what happened last year and they found all the stuff wrong with it. So it had me pause to reflect about my life. And, um, you know, I had this whole thing going about like, what's really disturbing to all of us. Like the ass training was very disturbing because it really messed with your preferences for the first day. Nowhere did anybody lock the door and have you stay in a room, not use the bathroom when you wanted. Mm-hmm. So your preferences were messed with and it was upsetting and last year was very upsetting, but if you start to train yourself to learn to feel these upsets and the fear and the, it gets very productive. And I would look back to my life last year and I thought it was one of the best, matter of fact, I think it was the best year I've ever had. Um, yeah. Not from stuff, not that I, you know, not that I didn't feel brutally, my heart goes out to the families and the people that lost them. And God, mm-hmm. it's just that stuff is crushing and the money and the people are screwed over and, you know, horrible horrible so i'm not talking about that but i'm talking about we hold up in this place out here and it's a nice place but you still have to go through 
kind of retrain yourself about what's nice and what you like in your life and more of that and watch some movies, read some books. And I got into doing uh, audible books because I wanted to learn how to slow down. It's hard, hard to do hard, really hard to slow down when there's, and then we got all this crazy stuff with our, with our government in Washington and, you know, it's all seductive. It doesn't mean anything, but it's very seductive to go look at that. Like the yeah, OJ Simpson thing. I oh, couldn't quit looking at that back in 91. I couldn't either. Well, and yeah, the whiplash, the whiplash yeah. at the end when they said not guilty, it's like, holy fuck, did these people see what I saw? Exactly. Shit. Well, so, you, make a, you make a great point. I think seduction is, a, is a, a, an operative word there. It, my theory is that a lot of what is out external to you is a distraction that this matrix has kind of distractions built into it. And some of them were like really great distractions, nothing wrong with them, but distractions nonetheless. And so what do you think they're about good. that? Distractions are great. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I'm a yes to that. If that's what you're doing. Yeah. I happen to be doing something called, I'm looking for more depth than John. Who's John? Uh, who's it, it, it's an optional thing that I picked up. I just found it in myself to look for more of that, not because I'm righteous about it. And I don't talk any other people into doing it. I think I said, it's like, oh, you want to be awake? You're screwed, man. It's going to be horrible. Yeah. What do you mean <laughs> you by know, that? Wait. What makes you say that? Because to wake up, you got to take stock. We live in the duality. To wake up, you have to take stock of um, the good and the bad. You know, yeah. and you're involved in stuff that's both good and bad. And you can't, nobody likes to say, well, I was a rat fucker there. I was, that was really bad. I did. I can't believe I behaved that way. You know, you, people, I, I dated this girl, I, white bunnies. She liked white bunnies and angels. That's all she wanted to see. <clears throat> but I kind of think the world has dark bunnies in it too. And um, so when you start waking up, Awake means, see, wake isn't a place you get to. Awake is something you do right now. You open your eyes and look around. That's awake. Okay. Um, but everybody, everything is that when you're in pain and it doesn't feel good, I call it the path of broken glass. It's tough. And, it, and I wouldn't even recommend you do it. It's a hard thing to go do. I actually kind of like where I'm at. I, I feel like I have understanding in this world. I feel like I'm starting to see and get glimpses into who I am as this being that has been here before this body existed and will be here after this body is gone. And I'm starting to see this as just something I picked up and I'm on my way. I have been around forever. I will be around forever. And you know how fucking that, that's just amazing to start having these little blips like that. Um, worth everything, worth, you know, whoa, whoa. Do you want to die? No, I don't want to die. I don't want to leave this place. I'm really attached. Um, but nonetheless, I've gotten this understanding about this is where this thing goes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Here's where we're headed, you know? So to wake up is to like, I thought that it was explained really well by this one author. And it was uh, that you to be awake is to find out you're on this barren planet, this hunk of rock going through space at whatever miles an hour. And you've got a TV and a, You've got, you know, your little box, your HBO stuff there that's got a million channels on it. So you can tune into anything and, and be entertained by anything. But, you know, you know, it's not real, right? It's just like some stuff. It's like it's like the guy on the, the Matrix, remember? He yeah. said, well, I just want to be out of here and we'll go to sleep yeah. and eat steak. Well, if you eat steak, you'll, but you'll be asleep, it won't be real. I don't care if it's not I don't real. Care. Yeah. I, if, 
I want to have the steak. <laughs> right. See, that's that's a good way to live, and there's no consequences of it. It's not there's no good right way or bad way, and you can't start to let go of any stuff until you get really clear that everything's good, no matter which way you're doing stuff is really good. Mm -hmm. I spent some time, you spent some time, really spending some time focusing and going within. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, time, I mean, we're talking about months and years to do this thing. This isn't years. like I'll do it yeah. this weekend. Right. I'll give it a... <laughs> <laughs> I did a weekend course once. Well, I was doing weekend courses every weekend for a decade, it seemed like. Yeah. And then you go to work for the people and you help them put it on because you figure out. Well, yeah. I went to Werner. I got close to Werner thinking he must know the secret. He must know what's going on. And if yeah. I get close enough to him, I'll get the secret. You'll get it. Right. And he's got all the money and the chicks and all the stuff and the power. Right. I'm, I'll get that too. Well, it turns out there's nothing there. You get there and you realize there's fucking, he's just skating through his life. He and a big wave came through and he got on the wave. Right. So and that's a it's a common theme with a lot of people in the spiritual on the spiritual journey, right? They're trying to get next to somebody to give them something, right? That person's got it know. and I can absorb it. If I go to this place or go to this person somehow by osmosis, I will whatever, be happy yeah. or enlightened or whatever they're they think they're looking for. Um yeah. I'll, f I'll figure out all the mysteries in my life or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was a, there was this funniest piece on you know one of my famous favorite uh comedians is uh Dave Chappelle. Yeah. And uh I love Dave Chappelle. I watched this old one. He was in Washington DC and it must have been before must have been when Bush was still in office, you know, but he was talking about how you know, anyways, he was talking about girls and Monica Lewinsky did the thing with Clinton and she became famous. And he said, "Could you imagine you could tell people, you know, you do my thing and you'll be famous. You'll go places in life. <laughs> imagine, imagine having having your business be that powerful. <laughs> that was <pretty> funny. <laughs> it was a lot more crude than I just did. It, it was really yeah, I'm funny. sure. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like it's, um, you know, looking external versus kind of taking stock of, of yourself and doing, you know, that that look in the mirror and taking that assessment of where you are and, and really taking in, you know, whatever there yeah. is and seeing it as part of what is, is, is always been creation and it's perfect, even though you're very busy trying to fix it all. And um, I don't know, you know, what do you, yeah, you can't fix it. And God didn't make any mistakes making this thing up, you know, yeah. you know I would tell for people listening to this, you guys got to know, Boy, it's slippery. What I was just going to do is just slip right out. That's amazing. <laughs> that, this is the slipperiest. It doesn't want to get hurt. It doesn't want to get out there, you know? <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> wow, that was amazing. I had that there and I waited a second. It just slipped away. Yeah. So you guys aren't supposed to know it. Um, but it's it'll like... Come, it'll come around if, it, if it's... there. Yeah, if it's supposed to. There's a place indicated. that you can get to in lice. I like it because when I went to work for, I hate to say the word God because it's so misused about everything, but I, I use it in place of your higher self or that knowing on a higher level. It's a, it's a, it's a weird stuff to get around because when you say God, you bring up everybody's stuff about it. Mm -hmm. But when I 
when I put as my boss, what I was looking for was more understanding of me. We'll say that, that I wanted to know the higher John, the higher self of John. Um, now, not forget everything I've ever done and all that, but right now, and I wanted to discover it with from, between me and my higher self. I didn't want to use a middleman like going to some guy's seminar or something because that's all in the end that alcohol gets thrown in the trash can. But I needed to find out what it was for me. And by doing so, I could have a life of magic from here to the end. You know, I could have, a, I could live more in the rest of my days, um, maybe by 50, 100 times than I have so far. Because, you know, it, it, we, I don't know if we have time to do this right now, but you know, this, this whole thing of feeling, um, maybe you feel and experience a moment of your day you know, maybe a couple of 10 second blocks, 15, I don't know. It wasn't much because I was always running on these programs in my head. And uh, what if you could expand, what if you were feeling five minutes a day and you could expand that to 10? Wow. That's double the feeling, right? That's double. If life really is about feeling what's going on, what if you, what if you could get it up to an hour, two hours, that'd be, whoa, I'm talking about a 10 year project, but two hours, it gets to be like you're Hercules. You're like, you know, but also with that, it doesn't give you power in this world like power. It mostly gives the more I surrendered into that path, I noticed that I more just sit still inside my center and around me, the world brings to me everything that's right for me to have. And miracles happen, right? Miracles happen. I, Rafe and I could sit here and we could talk about how many miracles we've had. Uh, about so many things but what's for, for suffice for now you can be in a spot that's a real predicament for you and if you could just sit still long enough that stuff will resolve itself external to you you know the person you know you had to talk to or they get the you had to get them to send you the check mm -hmm. it all just kind of works out right um by you doing nothing how would you have a life how would you like to have a life like that where you had enough <laughs> and and you just kind of looked around in amazement most of the day, like, holy mackerel. I look at a dog or a cat or you have a hamster again now because um, I had him as a kid. So I got another one just to see. And it brought back all this stuff from being a kid, having a hamster, except the dog and the cats want to eat the thing all the time. <laughs> of course. <laughs> to keep locked up in a is. box. <laughs> Doug's like, ah, give me, give me, give me. He looks like a, looks like a ground uh, a gopher. Just like a gopher. I'll eat him. <laughs> I, you know, I had a pet once and I could train it to go, that's my friend, but not Doug. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll help you get rid of him. I'll help you <laughs> one bite and he'll be in half. I'll get him. Yeah. I, you know, as you know, I've got a dog and it, having animals around really brings a presence and oh, quality oh. to your life. That's really quite spectacular because you kind of can drop into this love that's really right there available. You know, I mean, this is my dog. I mean, I guess, I don't know. Yeah everybody's pets but well if you can't see it there's something really wrong with what's yeah going on. yeah but i'm sure i know people that think like dog oh a dog oh a dog oh you have a dog i tell them don't talk to my dog don't talk to him <laughs> don't touch him <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like no i don't No, you don't know that dog leave him alone don't touch him that's fine. Don't even do anything nice to him, okay? <laughs> Just fucking leave him alone. But you were talking about a presence, you know, like 
an appreciation and a, a, a presence and, and joy. You know, yeah. yeah. Joy in life. My God. Yeah. So you what, look at stuff and you're like, Oh, whoa, I, look you know, at that. we've got this. It's, it's interesting because in, in the state of our society, you know, I'm speaking generally, um, like with the media and, and the social and the 24 hour news cycle and, you know, and then you've got your, whatever, you know, goals you're chasing your career, this, that, and you got a family and kids and like people are really running hard and fast. Uh, And there's this term I pulled out of McKenna's book, this affluenza. Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 Like a sluggish bloated feeling of like, you know, being (laughs) overwhelmed and overworked and kind of chasing the, the American dream, trying to keep up with the Joneses and, you know, uh, feeling very, uh, you know, uh, uh, tired, you know, uh, yeah. and full, and just full. Oh yeah. Like overloaded, loaded. Right. Like, and really on this hamster wheel kind of running a hundred miles an hour, but not really making much progress in, uh, in, in anything in relation to their kind of their growth, you know, uh, moving a lot of pawn pieces out in the world for sure. Um, but, but at the end of the day, nothing, at the end of the day, nothing got added to your life other than another meal, another movie, another got laid or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's right. nothing. That's like, like house, amazing. A car, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. People, oh, I, I have a, a family member. Oh, let's go to Europe. I, I'm going to go to Europe. Oh, oh, they got the best pizzas ever in Italy. They got really good wine. What else? You know, that looks like a lot of travel and a lot of stuff and a lot of headaches to go get another slice of pizza. And, um, <laughs> You know, not like that. That's bad, but like, no, it's not bad. Come on, come on. <laughs> Several times, I had a good time over there, Amsterdam. Um, yeah, I went to Amsterdam. That was fun to go there, but it was in the middle of, of being in the middle of horrible. You know what I mean? It was like it was fun, but it was the in journey. The middle. Is, I was, yeah, the journey's long. Yeah, yeah. I was in, I was in England at the time in Oxford, working there, and you know, Amsterdam was like I was sick as dog, and we found these these bars that had sold pot and stuff. And it had been dry in England for a long time. They don't have anything there. I remember going to one of the bulldog cafes and ordering some hashish right there, rolled it up and smoked it. I didn't, I wasn't sick anymore. Wow. <laughs> but it wasn't about the it wasn't about the pot, it was about the freedom to just like do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Very amazing, very, very amazing stuff. But I, I like try to I have this message for people, and it's like. You really can't have it be better than you ever thought in your life. You know, you really can have it be incredible. Right. And, but, but there's a lot of, you're going to have to want to do it. You're going to have to want to do it. And there's a lot of processing happening for people. That's been my observation. That's the path of broken glass I was talking about. It's yeah, not a more nice... about that. Say more about that. Well, it's not a, not about this. Um, Everybody that I talk to that comes to me that wants to be, well, I want to be not transformed, but I want to be enlightened. Enlightened is another one, right? People, I want to be enlightened. Well, what's your idea of enlightenment? And you go down and ask them this stuff. They really have, well, we're happy. Blissed out. Yeah. Blissed out. Yeah. Yeah. Dalai Lama fucking time, you know? Right. Well, that didn't work out. They look, you got thrown out of Lhasa Apso, you know? Um. He's still trying to work on <laughs> his like whole that. thing got crushed down on him. McKenna's got some interesting, like I really love his takes on enlightenment and stuff. His his point of view is like, yeah, work on being a human adult first, waking up really human adult. 
if you get to that stage, man, which could easily take you a couple of years, maybe longer, um, then you can might go search for enlightenment, but you won't have to worry about that. Cause if you're going to do it, you'll do it. And if you don't, you don't. So it's already taken care of. Like, don't even think about it. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. This whole thing about like, forget it, forget it. Do you need, do you need, do you know any enlightened people? Uh, 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 I don't know. No, not really. <clears throat> I worked at landmark and all that stuff. I didn't find any there. They might be there now. Uh, but I thought, what a stupid thing to even look for. What about just enjoying your life and look at the trees and enjoy what's going around and enjoy the people that are around you and stuff. That's like, that's like worth something there. And, and an appreciation and gratitude for what is in that moment is what you're saying, right? The more that you do, the more that you get. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, the, it's like, well, there's a seeking want... thing, right? Everybody wants to be like, I, I can't, I call myself like a failed seeker. Like I didn't make it, you know, <laughs> I turned over all the rocks and like, uh, it didn't, it didn't work out. Um, but it got me to a point where I started realizing one day, well, maybe there's no more rocks to turn over out there. And maybe there's just the, what I have to do with me. Right. It is interesting that within is a lot of stuff within, right? Yeah. A lot yeah. of stuff within so much stuff within. It's amazing. I, I like what, uh, UG Krishnamurti said about enlightenment. He said, yeah, I became enlightened when I figured out that I, I could stop searching for enlightenment. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I became enlightened when I figured out <clears throat> I didn't need to go be enlightened. When you can see that whole picture, then you're, then you're free. You got some freedom. See, yeah. I, I think that when people are really talking there, what we're really talking about is freedom. People really, what they really want under everything is freedom. And, it, and if you want money, it's for the freedom. If you want the babe with the big hooters, it's for freedom. I don't know. It's like, I'm writing this, some essays up right now. I told people, when I talk about guys wanting big boobies, you insert whatever I'm thinking about, whatever you're thinking about. <laughs> Men right? or women, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you're yeah. You like a cute ass on the guy. He drives yeah, a right car and stuff, whatever yeah. it is. Whatever it is. Um, doesn't matter. But, you know, guys are looking for big tits, right? And they think if they get big tits, they're going to be happy forever. Now, that's a <laughs> gross exaggeration, but there's some truth to that. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's kind of like in the relationship game. You think, okay, well, if I just find that right person, then I'll be complete and I'll be fulfilled and I'll be whole and all that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. And and then yeah, look, that makes me kind of look good. I've got a, I've got somebody uh, with me, and you know, I've, I've I've made it somewhere in the world or something. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, it's all insane. Tr true, truly, you're living in a, you're living in like this ongoing nut house, right? You're in a, a, a lunatic, a sane asylum, and you're trying to make sense of it. And you make sense for a month or a year. You get some money together and you cruise for 10 years. But then somebody in your family gets sick and you're really confronted with feeling some stuff. You know, shit happens. That's the nature of this world is a shit happens place. And, you know, one of the things I try to get people to really like, see, if you adopt a life where discovering your higher self is your main thing, um, Wow, it doesn't matter what the world looks like. You're you're home free. You're in you're in for a good ride. Yeah. You know, you don't need any of that. You don't need to have anything look any way to get the best of everything. Meaning you don't need anything really external. Yeah, you don't need the right color thing or the right boobs or whatever the things we were talking about. You don't need yeah. any of that stuff. You don't need to go be going out and um I know so many people that are out like trying to buy that second or third house and 
then we'll be assured we'll have a I had some woman tell me the other day about, you know, she was like 65 and she finally got back into the teaching career. She makes money and she wanted to go get a little con. I was in Canada, a place where stuff is expensive. I wanted to go get a little one bedroom condo. Um, so when I got old, I'd have this place. And it reminds me, I was like, yeah, it's like a rat. The rats out here make a nice home. They make these big piles of sticks and stuff. But in the middle of it, it's a nice little nest for them to lay in. And uh, that's what she wanted. She wanted to just know she'd be comfortable on her way out. Yeah. it's like wow why wouldn't you want a whole lot more than that just by being present now enjoying your life right now having a kick-ass time right now mm -hmm. god knows what you could get it could be really good what, what just to have a safe place to be safe in wow wow that's really shooting low mm. why would you have any goal about any of that stuff why wouldn't be working on having a good time today right <clears throat> exactly well, there's a lot of that built into, you know, we talked about programming, right? There's a lot built into the zeitgeist about, well, you go do this and you go have this thing and you go here and you get this and do that. And I, I don't think many people stop to consider, I've worked with people that have ended up in places in their life where they look up and go, well, what, you know, what was I thinking? Um, <laughs> or like an, un, you know, like a kind of unexamined, I won the prize here. I got the prize. Yeah. Now, I remember this this lady I was going after, and I wanted her so bad. I was so I so wanted the prize. She was going to be the prize, and I really wanted it really bad. Yeah. Never thought about did I really want to be a person who had gotten it. Interesting. You know, I that was all about winning the prize was what was important, not about having the prize and taking it home. Right. You know, that was going to be a nightmare. <laughs> you have to then start relating. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd have to look and see who she was, and it wasn't anything I wanted to be near. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had somebody down in Austin I went out one time, and it was a great, great, I had a great, in the 90s, it was a great thing that happened, and 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 we went our separate ways, and no trouble, no problem with anything, we just went separate ways, and she wound up getting married and had a whole life, and there was a lot of issues in the business they had. And, you know, many years later, I was always, oh, what about her? What about her? Oh, if I just been with her. And it, it kind of turns out in the end, it's like, well, I finally got up with her 10 years later. And I realized she'd kind of like, well, I don't know, you know, she'd done some, she wasn't there anymore. Mm. There was some dream I had and some activities we had you know, some sexing and stuff and some connection and this love that was great, but that was all gone. And she had like kind of stupefied herself out with some different, you know, like drink a bottle of wine every night, do for 10 years. How, how you looking then? Mm. Anyways, it wasn't there. It was gone. It was there back then. And I spent all those years kind of dreaming about that. I had, God, I wish it had that thing. And like, right. Wow. Wow. How silly was that? That wasn't present at all. Right. Looking externally, exactly. Yeah, and thinking, well, I think we're thinking to... you're going to find something or someone to, that's going to, you know, I think what people are really like have a hard time coming to terms with is like, this is it. You know? <laughs> like, this is it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've arrived at our deal. We've arrived. <laughs> the train is pulled in. <laughs> Get Here off the are. train. 
and whatever is coming up on your on your your ride is kind of for your amusement but also if i think you know there's some there's some real opportunities I was talking to some people this week who are particularly you know kind of at a, a place where they're you know they're kind of like examining life but they're like going well I just don't I have a hard time getting motivated here I'm having a hard time and I'm like yeah 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 that's part of the journey is just to feel all that stuff and maybe you shouldn't be out trying to conquer the world or save the world or whatever your thing is I mean you could but also like you know you don't look like you're having a very good time you know doing that and it's like why wouldn't you find something that you really love to do I mean, I think you told me this a long time ago. It's like, you know, if you, if you do stuff you'll love, you'll have a great life. You know, don't do stuff you don't like. Well, the old deal about it. You want to have a great life. (laughs) Yeah. Do more of what you like and less of what you don't like. And it'll work out really good. It's too simple though. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And that like the amoeba, see the amoeba's got, the amoeba's got it down on us. You know, it moves towards nutrients and away from flames. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, how simple could that be? That's right. The hamster is interesting. The hamster gets on the wheel and he runs. You know, a hamster run on a wheel six, seven miles in a night. Amazing how much they run. You know, he's really just this little piece of muscle, you know. He can do a one-handed pull-up, go all the way up the side of something, using one hand at a time. Insane how much strong. But so much for hamsters. He gets on the wheel and he runs and he runs and he runs. And then he gets off and he walks out of the wheel and he stands and he, he does a 360. He looks around. And then he gets back on the wheel. Right. He realized he wasn't there yet. So he got back <laughs> on the wheel. People never realize it. <laughs> They're spinning. <laughs> People get off there and go, oh, fuck. Let's say, yeah, let's keep going. Oh, we made it here. Good. You know, anyways, the hamsters got some shit on us. You know, they are like got some. Anyways, that's cute. But everybody should have a hamster on your desk because you really see. See what's going on. <laughs> see what's going on. But you also realize that's a sentient being there. He's got feelings and he's got, you know, he's got. You can see when they're happy and when they're when they're, you know, foggy. And but the thing is, it gives you some perspective about your life. You're really not that critical or important about anything. And um, uh-huh. and you know, we'll do it another time. But we have to talk about the losers thing, and we got to talk about the, the more about this stuff about goals and fixing it and saving the world and making a difference. And everybody's going to go make a difference with the world. Mm-hmm. But first, they they do it from. God, you did it wrong, man. I'm going to come yeah. clean this up. It's broken. You. It's broken. It's right. broken, right? It's broken. Mm-hmm. And when the truth is, your intervention might be an interference on what's going on. Mm. You know, you're. I'm going to. I'm going to intervene here, yeah. and I'm going to fix all this stuff up. I know somebody was. You know, they had. A, they were in uh, Marin County, and they had a some kind of horrible thing in their lungs and they were going to be, when the doctors tell you'll be dead in a month or two, the person really started getting real about being alive then. And their friends came out and said, oh, let's take you down to Mexico and we'll get you some lay trail and do this and that. So they rushed down to Mexico and he spends the next couple of weeks looking for more time. Hmm. Not dying. They were in the space of looking for more time. Mm -hmm. They weren't dying. They were getting more time. Yeah. And it didn't work and it came back. And now he's got like four or five days to die. And there's not much time to be dying now. You know, it's like, well, that's right. done. Um, that's interesting. Uh, you know, who I, I know you're a big fan of Stephen Jenkins and I am as well. His book, Die Wise, on that subject is just, ooh, ooh. it's a 
brutal fucking piece to let in, man. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I, I'm, I'm really glad I found his work and I, I've, I've really appreciated what his message has been about a death phobic culture, you know? And I think that speaks to the, to the virus, right? Um, it really is this death phobic culture we're in where nobody wants to talk, you know, it's like, let's just get happy and then everything will work out. Well, the, you know, you're going to, okay, well, you can be happy and then you're still going to die. And you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, this, this opportunity to have this brilliant experience, like you're talking about in the moment is, uh, is something I think you have to, when, when people talk about doing the work, John, like, what does that mean for you? Like, okay, you got to do the work. Well, on two levels, one doing the work was I come to find out oh, we're doing the work there with Byron Katie, we're doing the work, you know? Yeah. Or with Werner Earhart, we're doing the work. Right. Um, the term gets used a lot, right? And yeah, it's like, I don't know. Spiritual. It's kind of hokey then. I think the real thing of doing the work is are you, are you willing to feel everything that's in the box? Are you, this is like, if you want to leave this place, and actually, you know, Dalai Lama, a lot of people, they say a lot of things about it, but pretty much how you die is how you move on. And in that moment, when you're getting out of here, whoa, shit, here we go. Um, that's how you start off and whatever happens next. If there is, I don't know. Um, but... That's my cat trying to get a door open. <laughs> cat. Hold on one second. Hold on. Deli. She wasn't going to let up till that got. Finished. Yeah, it's all good. No she problem. can reach up and grab the handle. <clears throat> Oh my God. So um, what were you saying? Uh, you were talking about the Dalai Lama and the journey out. Well, yeah, the, the, the whole thing is like the work is, um, you know, you've got this thing. You would like to find more of your higher self. Not a bad goal. Um, not a new car, not a this or that, but more of your higher self. And I've already talked about that. With that, you can get anything in the world because, you know, the more of... The, that higher self you have has access to everything. Um, so the work is like, I tell somebody, I say, hey, you ought to, like, you know, maybe you'd find more of yourself if you went out to the water and spent some time looking at the water every night. Mm. Um, and are you devotional to that? Are you dedicated to that? Where are you at about going to do some of that? And, um, um, people are usually up for trying it like once or twice. Right. And then they vote on whether they want to do more. Um, it's funny business. Cause I mean, when I did it, I was like, well, I'll do this for a year, mm -hmm. every night for a year, I'll go out there and do this. And that looks like insane, right? Like you're ins people looked at me like you're crazy. Are you talking about just go going sitting out in the nature? What do you mean? Well, I happen to have an ocean near me so I could walk down to the bluffs yeah. and sit out there and watch the waves. And, pretty boring sitting the most about 100 feet above the waves on the bluff and um and that's what there was right and then 
I remember the first night, six months, seven months into it, there was some phosphorescent in the waves. And I, I, you, you think I had just seen the 4th of July of the whole world. Like I was so excited about seeing some blue or green in these waves. Oh my God, I was like cheering inside myself. This is how you look at waves all night and it's like, whatever. But the whole point of it was is to go in and ask for more of myself inside continually. I was always looking for more of me. And that was a place that forced me to redo it. And I would do it. My first thing, well, I'll do this for a year. Somebody said, oh, you should do this. Like a, a mentor said, you should do this. Oh, okay, I'll go do it. Mm. Um, and you do it for a long time and you think, well, nothing's happening. But it isn't about something happening like a red convertible or getting something. It's about something happens inside yourself and you create a new relationship for getting more of yourself. And, and that's everything right there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a longer conversation, but like, you know, you got to start asking a few questions. This is something that interests you. Do you, do you feel a pull? See, if you feel a pull inside, mm -hmm. maybe that's the thing for you to do. If you're like, man, eh, whatever, I'm going to go a ball game or something, then that's a good thing for you to do is go to a ball game and go out, whatever you do that makes you happy with it. That's a good way to live. There's nothing wrong. Because mm -hmm. you look at these guys like, you know, uh, Raman and Maharshi, people like that, they're saying, yeah, you probably got about 10,000 iterations of being a human being before you're going to move on to something else. Maybe you move on to being a dog. I don't know. But 10,000, just get a grip on it, right? Like, yeah. well, well, you got a lot of time in grade, right? There's a lot of stuff to do. So what if you didn't get that? whatever your picture of enlightenment was this life? I don't know any people. When I read about the, uh, the Brahman and Maharshi and the few people that I think it actually dwelled in that place. Mm -hmm. Their lives are, they cooked rice and set stone walls. And they talked to some people, but mostly they, Raman Maharshi was mostly like, you know, find out who, who am I? That was who the main I? thrust yeah. of who am I? You know, why don't you meditate just asking who am I? It's a trippy thing to do. Um, but most people turn all that stuff into, I do all this work. That means I want to get somewhere. Right. And there's nowhere to get yeah. Right. Like you said earlier, learning to when you get that there's nowhere you're going to get to, that's an interesting spot. Right. You no longer have to be anywhere about anything. Wow, that's pretty interesting there. Like I was writing some essays and I always want to write a book and there's all this stuff about what do you put on for a name? I finally got it. I'm going to put unknown. Well, you know, unknown author. My mm -hmm. interest is having this information out in the world, not <clears throat> I find that ego credit money stuff like that gets in the way of that yeah can um yeah i like mckinnis take on you know, the journey to adulthood um which is really about not adding anything it's about deconstructing a lot of what you already think you know and as you're already there right you, you came into this place there you were there from the beginning and you added all this other crap around it and, or it got put in, you know, societally. Well, yeah, put in whatever you, yeah, whatever whatever, you want to do. You want to look at it, but but yeah, yeah, all that stuff about when you're a kid and all those things you added on from uh, mm -hmm. your parents and stuff like that. Fuck, I right. holy shit! All that stuff I did with Warner stuff, all those things. To come and find out, it took me years to pull that stuff out. Right, years to, uh, to get to, that stuff to out of me. Kind of deprogram and declutter and defrag. 
you know, it's like what you strip away is, is and what you're left with is some version of a true self. You, you use your higher self, like truth, truth realized, maybe some version of what's true or something. For I you. happen to like that stuff. I happen to yeah. like finding truth for the truth's sake. Yeah. I don't need anything for it. I'm like pretty tripped out. Just like, whoa, whoa, believe that. Right, right. Um, there, there certainly is a lot of fear out in the in the equation out there, and yeah. isn't that perfect though? Don't you see that as kind of I I listen the perfect it, part is, of how life is being engineered yes, for yes, us to absolutely just to look at ourselves. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I see. I think that <clears throat> when you start looking at the world and wanting to change and make a lot of white bunnies and angels and make everything nice. Well, when you have all this horrible stuff, I know people that had a child that was born with some stuff that disfigured them and it created more love in that family than anything they'd ever done. Like it was amazing how much love it created in that family. And you, you look at, well, what do you, what is this earth for? What's this place for? It's gotta be for, making more compassion and love and empathy it's got to be the goals here why mm. would you have all this shit you know so screwed up a place if those weren't the goals if it was everything was working mm. there wouldn't be anything to get there it would be no more love at it why do babies come out needing you know 10 15 years of love to get them up and running mm. you, know, so, you know there's babies that are born ready pretty like a horse or so you watch them they pop out and they're running in a few minutes all right you know, they're ready to go. So, yeah, yeah. Well, really interesting talk. Really, really interesting talk. Yeah, for sure. I, I look forward to more of this. And there's a lot to embellish in that little that little bit there. Yeah, there's a lot. And it's it, the interesting thing about these types of conversations and what we're talking about, I think, is like, it's not easily explained, right? It's Well, it, yeah, you can't you can it, talk it, around it. You, you never can talk, can talk right. about it. And people have to take the journey, you know, it's like when Neo's sitting there, it's like red pill, blue pill. Yeah, you got to You got to go down the road. It's not like, you know, Morpheus could sit there and explain to you what, what, you know, what the awakening experience, you know, he couldn't sit there and tell you. It's like, no, you got to take this and you'll have to see and go down the rabbit hole for yourself. Yeah. And, and until you were willing to do that, or you d decide that, some, or, you know, choose to do something like that, which... Hey, if you don't, good for you. I I wouldn't I wouldn't blame you like you said earlier. It's it's not better or worse or right or wrong or good or bad. It's nothing. It's it's yeah. it, but it is something that's available. And you know, to the degree that you that you have some interest or uh, some want, some desire, then there's there is something available that maybe you you haven't seen yet. And uh, it's really hard to get your mind around it sometimes, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up there then. Okay, man. Really wonderful. Hey, man. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for taking the time and, and sharing your wisdom with us. And uh, we'll have some you more. Yeah. More, some more. Let's have some more. I'd love to. All right, buddy. Later. Take care. Later, everybody. Bye-bye.